everyone, and welcome to The Circle Opens, a podcast devoted to a chapter-by-chapter review of Stephen King's The Stand. Before we begin, I want to give a quick shout out to uh, Secondhand Bookery. If you are in need of an affordable source for Stephen King books, movies, collectibles, or more, make sure to check out Secondhand Bookery at secondhandbookery.etsy.com. Listeners of this podcast can use the coupon code THECIRCLE for 20% off their order anytime, and there's always free shipping to the United States. Again, that is Secondhand Bookery at secondhandbookery.etsy.com. Just some really quick news before we start uh, discussing Chapter 8 of The Stand. Uh, Josh Boone has confirmed on his Instagram that uh, James Marston will be playing Stu Redman for the upcoming adaptation from CBS All Access. Uh, He's also confirmed that Odessa Young will be playing Fran Goldsmith, Henry Zaga will be playing Nick Andros, and Amber Heard will be playing Nadine Cross. I'm very excited about this casting so far. Um, I know a lot of people have their particular dream roles, uh, the people that they really want to see play these characters. But I think uh, so far I'm pretty happy with what we're getting. And I know Josh Boone is a big fan of King and he knows the source material. He knows this book. Um, So I have some, I have, I have faith in him that he's going to give us an adaptation that uh, we, we constant readers will be proud of. I'm also looking forward to uh, more casting news that I'm sure will be coming out in the next couple of weeks, considering they'll be starting to, um, film the series in September. So if you want to keep an eye out uh, for that kind of news, you can follow Josh Boone on Instagram at Josh Boone Movies, or uh, you can follow me on Twitter or Facebook at The Circle Opens. I've been trying to update uh, those two accounts as news is coming in regarding the adaptation. So if you would like to follow along, feel free to give me a follow there. Um, And I think that's pretty much it in terms of news for the stand today. I also want to say happy Independence Day weekend, July 4th, to all of my fellow Americans. And if you live outside of the U.S., happy Saturday. (laughs) Um, Thursday was July 4th. And if you remember the timeline that King gave us in book one, Captain Trips of the Stand, the dates ran from June 16th to July 4th, 1990. Uh, So as of Thursday of uh, this week, you know, our whole country was decimated by a super flu in King's universe. (laughs) Um, We're not quite there yet in terms of the book, but we are getting there, which is where we are um, in chapter eight. And this will be a fairly short episode because chapter eight is a very short chapter. But that does not make this chapter any less effective uh, than the other chapters. Uh, We're not going to be revisiting any of the characters we've met so far, uh, at least in terms of the main characters, Stu, Larry, or Fran. And we're not really going to meet any new main characters. Um, But the characters that we are going to meet in this particular chapter, um, they're important. And they're essentially the beginning of the end for... The country as these people know it in this book. Um, King does a really good job at even if he's introducing us to somebody who is only going to be part of the story for about a paragraph, maybe a page, um, he gives them depth, uh, just small little moments into their life um, that we learn before we understand what's going to happen to them. 
And that's one thing I've always loved about King. I know uh, some people get annoyed with his little uh, tangents off of the story, um, but I really like it in this book. I like um, that we are seeing more of the country uh, rather than just a few characters right now. Um, makes it more real to me. And in this particular chapter, he is going to show us just how rapidly and how contagious uh, the super flu really is. Um, If you want to know exactly how it could destroy an entire country in such a short amount of time, well, he explains it really well in chapter eight. We begin the chapter with Joe Bob Brentwood, who you all will remember as Bill Habscom's cousin. He's a deputy. And he started to patrol the Texas highway after warning Hap and uh, Vic about the people from Atlanta coming to quarantine Arnett. Um, Little did Joe Bob know that he, just talking to Hap and Vic, he is now infected with the super flu. And Joe Bob gives a speeding ticket to Harry Trent of Braintree, who's an insurance salesman. And now Harry is infected. And when Harry... um, King King describes it in the book as this. Harry, a gregarious man who liked his job, passed the sickness to more than 40 people during the day and the next. How many of those 40 passed, to, passed it to is impossible to say. You might as well ask how many angels can dance on the head of a pin. If you were to make a conservative estimate of five apiece, you'd have 200. Using the same conservative formula, one could say that those 200 went on to infect 1,000, the 1,000, 5,000 the 5,000, 25,000. Under the California desert and subsidized by the taxpayers' money, someone had finally invented a chain letter that really worked, a very lethal chain letter. On June 16th, which is the same day that Larry uh, arrived in New York and Fran told her father about her pregnancy, Harry stops at an East Texas cafe called Babe's Quick Eat. And it's there he infects uh, quite a few of the employees and some truckers. He infects the waitress by handing her a dollar bill uh, as a tip that is, quote, crawling with death. On his way out, a station wagon pulls in with New York plates, and they ask Harry for directions to uh, US-21 going north. And Harry, uh, unbeknownst to Harry, he basically signs the death warrant of this entire family. Uh, This New Yorker, his name is Edward Norris, who is a police detective. Um, And it's kind of sad because uh, King describes uh, Edward and their family. This was their first real vacation in five years. uh, And they're on their way home from Disney World in Orlando. Um, We get a little bit of insight into Norris and his family. They eat lunch at the same cafe where Harry had just uh, infected nearly everybody. Um, And then that night, we're in the hotel that they're staying. Um, Their kids, Marsha, Stanley, and Hector, infect the kids that are uh, playing with them on the tourist courts playground. Um, These kids who are now infected are West or they're bound for West Texas, Alabama, Arkansas, Tennessee. Trish, uh, Edward's wife, infects two women in the laundromat. And uh, Ed, on his way down the motel corridor to get some ice, infected a fellow he passed in the hallway. Everybody got into the act. Uh, The next morning, Trish wakes her husband up uh, to tell him that Hector is sick. He's got a really ugly cough. Um, They eventually, it gets so worse or it gets so bad that they have to take 
the their son to a hospital to a doctor's office um this is not exactly how edward wanted to finish off his vacation <laughs> but you know kids get sick things happen um his annoyance turns to concern because it doesn't seem as though uh, hector is getting any better um Marsha, their daughter, is starting to come down with a bit of a cold as well, and Trish is also feeling it in the back of her throat. They eventually find a doctor who will see Hector in Kansas. King tells us that during their wait in the doctor's office, they communicated the sickness, which would soon be known across the disintegrating country as Captain Trips, to more than 25 people, including a matronly woman who just came in to pay her bill before going on to pass the disease to her entire bridge club. After the bridge party is over, uh, Cookie, or Sarah, and her friend Angela go out for a quiet drink in a cocktail bar. Only at this particular bar, the two women who are now infected infect everybody in the bar, including two young men who are on their way to California to seek their fortunes. Um, A friend of theirs had promised them jobs with a moving company. So the next day, they headed west, spreading the disease as they went. And it says here, chain letters don't work. It's a known fact. The million dollars or so you are promised if you'll just send $1 to the name at the top of the list, add yours to the bottom, and then send the letter on to five friends never arrives. This one, the Captain Tripp's chain letter, worked very well. The pyramid was indeed being built, not from the bottom up, from but from the tip down said tip being a diseased army security guard named charles campion all the chickens were coming home to roost only instead of the mailman bringing each participant bale after bale of letters each containing a single dollar bill captain trips brought bales of bedrooms with a body or two in each one and trenches and dead pits and finally bodies slung into the oceans on each coast and into quarries and into foundations of unfinished homes. And in the end, of course, the bodies would rot where they fell. That is one of my favorite moments of this chapter because it's so morbid and ominous and King is giving us a foreshadow of how bad this is going to get to the point where bodies are just going to end up falling and rotting wherever they've died. Kind of like the uh, biological weapons facility where Campion escaped. Um, if you remember, Starkey would watch those monitors to see the the people who just died at the lunch tables or at the jukebox, the man with his face in his pea soup. Um, there's really, at this point, nothing they can do about it anymore. Cookie and Angela uh, walk back to their cars after their drinks and infect about five people they pass. They go home to infect their families. Uh, Sarah goes home and infects her husband, his five poker buddies, and her teenage daughter, Samantha. Um, Samantha is currently uh, afraid because she thinks she caught a dose of the clap from her boyfriend. And King tells us that she has, in fact, done that. But uh, as a further matter of fact, she had nothing to worry about. Next to what her mother had given her, a good working dose of the clap was every bit as serious as a little eczema of the eyebrows. The next day, Samantha would go on to infect everybody in the swimming pool at the Polliston YWCA, and so on. And that's that's it for the chapter. That's all we get. We get a couple pages of uh, King describing exactly how these uh, how this super flu is moving across the country. 
Uh, we have people heading west. And if you assume that basically at this point, all you have to do is pass somebody on the street and they're going to be infected with the super flu, then you can imagine, you know, these kids are infecting their parents, the kids from the tourist court hotel where Ed and his family stayed. Uh, they're going to Tennessee and Alabama and Arkansas. Um, who knows how many they're infecting at the time. They're, it's, it's a hopeless situation. There is nothing more they can do now. Um, we do know, obviously, that there are people who will be immune to this disease. Stu Redman is the first known immune uh, man in America. And obviously, that's going to expand. There'll be more survivors. But um, now we're going to really be getting into exactly how the country is about to fall apart. And I really, I know I say this about every chapter, essentially, but I really did like this chapter. Um, it was just fascinating to me to see uh, just these little moments that you don't really think about during the day. I mean, um, I work downtown and even if I, you know, go outside to get uh, some fresh air or to walk down and buy some lunch, I pass so, I probably pass uh, hundreds of people a day. And just like that, they're all infected with the super flu. Um, and then they go uh, out of town. They're driving uh, to another state. Uh, they're going home to a party, um, just so on and so on and so on. And it's just at that point, no quarantine is going to stop this from happening. I did say that this was going to be a short chapter, and it was. Um, this will also be, like I said, a short episode. Um, but I, I'm very, very thankful if you've downloaded and listened to it regardless. Um, we are going to have some chapters like this where they're just a page or two, um, but King is using his pages effectively. He is continuing to move the story along, um, and it's getting really good now. Um, we will be meeting another uh, main character in chapter nine, Nick Andros, who is one of my favorite uh, characters of this book. Um, and, and it's just going to continue. And, uh, if you've stayed with me on this journey, uh, this long so far, thank you very much. <laughs> if you could leave me a rating and review on iTunes, that would be fantastic. And I would love to hear what your thoughts are. Um, if you have any thoughts on the chapter that we have just gone over or any of the previous chapters or, uh, basically anything regarding the stand, um, Feel free to drop me a note at the circle closes at gmail.com or you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at the circle opens. And I also have a blog, um, the circle opens.com, which I need to update a little bit more, but it is there uh, that has uh, the past episodes of this podcast as well as some uh, book reviews and some news for the stand. So if you want to check that out, that'd be great. And I think that's it for this episode. It's only been about 15, 16 minutes, but um, I think that uh, it's necessary to keep this, this journey going. And I hope that you guys will join me next week when we meet Nick Andros and M-O-O-N. That spells see you next week. <laughs>